All right, we're here with AJ Baker representing Whoop. It's it's not the Whoop or the Whoop company. It's just Whoop, correct? Just Whoop. It's incorporated is the technical name. It's it's kind of like Beastie Boys. Everybody says the Beastie Boys, but it's Beastie Boys. Just for those listening. Mm -hmm. But I'm excited to talk to you. I've had my my Whoop now over probably about six weeks. I saw you in Wadapalooza, so it's been about that. Mm -hmm. I've got. Somewhat bad news. I'm only 65% recovered today, so I don't know how strong this interview is going to be. So, hey, 65 isn't so bad. Could be worse. It could be worse. I'm, I've got lower. I'm at the, uh, I've actually had the elusive green week. I just got there today where you get seven straight recoveries. Kind what is of that? Took, seven took straight the, what? Green recoveries. It's the first time I've done that in, in ever. So that's that uh, this screen? That's that screen. Yep. Um, okay. So I just got, I just got a, yeah, my seventh straight, which took me, you know, only four years to actually get and, you know, being completely isolated from the world to actually do it. So, you know, that, that's the, uh, that's the circumstance, I guess, but feeling good. Happy to be here. Well, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. I'm a big proponent of the, of whoop. I, um, you know, my friends and, and, and family ask about it. I use it every day. And I will say when I first got it, I was kind of like, informally using it and part of it was I trained a lot of jujitsu and I found it hard to use the whoop or while training jujitsu but but now since we've been home I've I've only been either you know doing crossfit strength training cardio etc and I believe correct me if I'm wrong that I've seen new activities pop up in the activity tracker over the last few weeks it's very possible. You know, we do, we've tended to just about, you know, probably every quarter we've probably added at least one or two in there. You know, like we, for a while, we had a ton of coaches who were wearing Whoop realizing that their the three hours a day they'd spend running classes or something like that would ultimately be more strenuous on their body um, than the, you know, the, the 30 minute workout they did. So we added coaching as an activity. Some people are you know, big public transportation commuters riding bikes to and from work, uh, you know, sprinting across the subway platforms so we've added commuting in there as well you know you'll see more and more stuff pop in there and being as um you know descriptive as we can in that activity section is important so people really understand which activities affect them differently yeah i mean you have gaming in there now you have ice baths you have pilates you know so certainly yeah. expanded and i want to treat this kind of interview as me understanding it more so then people sure. that currently have it can understand it more or those interested in it so I, let, let's stay on the top. Actually, I'm going to go screen by screen, if you don't mind. So let, let's, let's, do let's yeah, I mean, so you, you open up your whoop. If you're used to it, obviously, you've attached it. It's, it's synced. You set it to your wrist, et cetera. And you have your, your home screen, which is just kind of the basics about you. And, and I, I love the fact that you can swipe across. And then basically, if you swipe down or up, whichever it is, you kind of get more detailed information on that. Yeah. So yep. you, the first thing you do is swipe right, and you're and you're kind of at your day's activities. So go, going along that, what you and I were just talking about, my, my first question there would be, how important is it for you to quantify your activity? So, for example, I don't ever set the fact that I'm going to sleep, but it picks yep. it up. But when I first started using it, it didn't always pick up what I was doing and weightlifting, yoga, things where my heart rate wasn't getting really jacked up, I would assume. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that that's that's exactly the case, right? So, I mean, initially, in not initially, but in general, Whoop is much more of a cardiovascular intense device, right? The strains you're going to be putting up, if you you know, are are really based a lot on the duration of time you're spending in certain max heart rate zones. Most of the calculation comes from that, along with some motion, some intensity factors, um, as well as the environment, right? So, activities more than anything is um, is for your own benefit to see which ones actually affect you. Um, you know, physiologically, right, and primarily cardiovascularly. So we're never going to be able to do something like neuromuscular fatigue or really track the type of soreness your muscles might have, right? But if you go out and do a one rep max deadlift, that's going to shock your central nervous system, you know, just about more than any other activity you can do. So you'll see a low strain score because, you know, it's not a super long exercise or, um, you know, even one that's going to get your heart rate up for a very long time. Maybe there's one or two sets where you're, you're kind of building to max and then doing the max effort rep. But the following day, your CNS will be shocked and that recovery score will be lower, right? So what you want to be able to look back on is, you know, okay, well, what activity, let's say you wake up with that 65% recovery. It's like, what activities actually do I know I do that'll get me to, you know, the, the 12 to 14 range, which is kind of like the recommended area for my specific strength load today. How did you know that? Is that the, I mean, think about it, but right? you look at that overview screen, that main page, those two dials at the top, those two circles, yep. that recovery, you know, 65% is going to fill that thing up 65% of the way. The strain score has another one wrapping right around it. And the idea is that you can pair the level of stress your body takes on with the of recovery you have, right? So that way you're taking basically as much load as your body can handle every single day, right? You're never falling into these overtraining or undertraining sections of a training cycle, right? Where if you're just pushing yourself beyond what your body can handle, you're going to be more susceptible to injury. Your technique's going to fall apart because of fatigue. That's where things like soft tissue injuries happen. And then from there, it extends even down to like things like adrenal fatigue or rhabdo, which are super popular in CrossFit, um, you know, comparatively to other sports. So really understanding recovery is the first, but, you know, as it relates to marking activities down, it's really, it's designed so that you understand which of these activities, you know, especially over a long period of time, affect your bodies in which ways. If you know, all right, I got a low recovery today. I know yoga is going to yield a, a lower strain. Probably good for me. It's an active recovery day. Let's just do that, right? Uh, if you wake up, it's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm surprisingly, I'm going to go, you know, try to run a 5K because I know that, you know, cardiovascularly, that beats the crap out of me, right? So more than anything, they're, they're designed to quantify all the, we're built to, you know, kind of mark all these things down, give you as much information as possible into which behaviors affect you in which ways. So that way, as you continue to move forward, you have some type of platform and some type of data to look back on that you can then action and, you know, kind of improve forward to. So interesting. I think I've realized for the first time that blue outer ring 20 is probably the cap. 21. Yep. 21. So that makes sense that you knew, hey, if you're at 65% recovery, you should be about <laughs> at 12 strain. I got a few years with this product. Yeah. No, but uh, it's, I mean, yeah. that's for, for me and I hope for the listeners that that's important and and I, and I want to be clear so what you're basically saying is if you don't ever set your activity your strain should still be tracked for the day you just wouldn't know cuz i here's something i've learned big time during this quarantine walking jacks my strain up <laughs> believe it or not walking is one of those things that people never really understand what like what it does to you right walking is one of the few things that really just kind of releases all the endorphins in your brain and gets all of your changes your serotonin levels right it's like it's like a moving meditation essentially right 
So you walk, your heart rate will come up if you're talking to somebody or engaging with other people. An average walking heart rate is somewhere between 85 and 100 for the most part. If you add in talking and you say, and you add conversation to that, it can get all the way up to 115. You do that for 45 minutes, you know, 45 minutes at 115 isn't nothing. So like, that's the kind of thing that, especially for fitter people, walking is something you don't really think about as an exercise. But as soon as you start to do it and you see it, especially in you know, circumstances like the ones we have today, it really does start to add something to your strain scores. So I mean, more than anything, it's going to give you a holistic view and show you exactly what it does. It's surprising. There, there are days where I'll walk and then hit a, you know, CrossFit-esque workout in my extra bedroom. And it's like the CrossFit workout gave me a six and my, you know, I'm going for long walks, but it, it'll hit like a 12, you know, on like mm -hmm. on a two hour mm -hmm. walk. So let, let's continue on that screen. We have our daily activities. If you swipe down, you have your kind of what it would appear to be what your weekly recovery looks like in comparison yep. to your, your weekly strain. And obviously, or maybe it's not obvious, maybe I should ask you this, how often is it okay for your strain to be higher than your recovery? I think that's, I mean, there's two factors in that, right? One, it's dependent on your body and your body's ability to manage extra, you know, additional load that's going on, right? So if you're consistently, you know, in the red and you're consistently outworking yourself, that's probably a good thing. That, that just says like, hey, pull back the reins a little bit. You're setting yourself up for injury here or, you know, for, for other issues. There's possibility for all sorts of things when your body's not recovered and you're continuing to push through. Um, if you're able to maintain, if you're, you know, let's say you have, we'll use the 60% recovery again, but like, let's say you have that 65% and you get a 65% recovery every single day and your body's still able to, and you're still putting on, you know, a 15 to 17 and sometimes 19 strength scores, right? Um, that all that says to me is that you're pushing yourself, right? You're working really hard, but your body's not totally under recovering from it. Right. Every now and then you're going to want the opportunity so you can get back into the green and see that your body's reacting positively. But it's all about what you're really trying to do. So I think there's two factors. Right. Number one is what body's capable of handling. If you can handle, you know, the if you're seeing it in your in your data there that you're not totally under recovering, falling into those red zones or the low yellow um, and you're still kind of outreaching your um, your strain score is kind of outpacing your recovery score. That's fine. As long as you're not putting yourself in a spot where you can't continue to handle that. Right. As long as you're not getting you know, multiple and low recovery. Um, the well, other because, part is dependent on what you're. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're basically saying if, is if you weren't recovering at all, your recovery would continue to trend down. But if you're correct. sustaining yeah. that 65%, you're saying, Hey, you're straining yourself, but your body's clearly still able to recover to, you know, two thirds. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, like, yeah, you're, you're, you're putting a lot of your body, but you're not under recovery. That's the, the biggest, the biggest key there. Right. And then the second piece would be, you know, like, what are, what is your training like right now? I'm training for the CrossFit and you have, you know, it's what month are we in? We're in May and they're in August still. The season schedule hasn't changed or anything like that. If you're in May, you probably are trying to still make a few last gains right now. Like you're trying to get a little bit better. So you might want to stress yourself in a positive way you're going to want to set a new standard for how much load you can take on. So putting yourself, you know, beyond, right. Pushing yourself beyond the, the limit of your recovery, just so you can just kind of see how far you can go. You'll end up probably end up in that red space for a day or two, then rebound. Right. If you want to add that positive stress more than anything, what we're just going to tell you is when, you know, when you're stressing yourself too far beyond. Right. So like so often people will stick to a training that says, all right, 
in four weeks, we're going to do this, right? At four weeks, you should be at this place. And, you know, in weeks two and three, sometimes people fall into the space where their body's just kind of not feeling great. They're trying to hit higher weights. You end up plateauing, right? Why is that? It's because you're trying to continue to add this positive stress when your body's not capable of taking it on. So two things to talk about is what's the deal with, you know, overreaching beyond your uh, recovery score on a consistent basis. One, how is your body responding to it? And then two, what are you actually training for? Right? If you're trying to get better and trying to set a new standard, it's okay to overreach. You know, you're going to have a functional overreaching period for a little while, right? You just want to make sure that you don't do it too much so that you end up injured and back to square one, right? Versus, and then the other part of that, you know, if you can keep, if you can sustain it, do it, keep going. Well, I think this has been a really good time for me to use this because it is a scary time out there. You know, we're worried about our immune systems. So I look at this and I'm like, all right, whether or not I should push hard today based on my recovery, because I know after pushing too hard and not for a day, but if you continue that for too long, it's going to break down your body, but also your immune system. And here's, you know, totally. this is, we're living in a time totally. where we don't want that. So one of the main pieces of feedback I hear from people, and I'm sure you've heard this, is they don't want the whoop to dictate how they're feeling when they're feeling okay. Is that make mm-hmm. So it's like, well, man, my recovery is showing me 30%, but I feel great. You know, and you don't want that to impact what goes on at the gym or mm-hmm. the opposite. My recovery is, I had a couple of days recently where I'm at like 95%. And I'm like, well, well, you know, I should push hard. Should it be this way? Sure, yeah. So what, what would you say to those people? I think, again, there's multiple ways to think about it. And I think it has I think it's two prongs, right? First of all is... When you see a recovery score that you don't really understand, start to think about the other questions and the other factors that really go into that. You know, HRV in particular is a really sensitive metric. It's responsive to, you know, the, the, the fun phone call that we're going to have right now. It's responsible to the, the healthy meal you had for lunch. And it's responsible to the, um, you know, the tough meeting you had with your boss, right? Like all of those things are going to have an impact on the way that your body functions, specifically through the lens of HRV and in your nervous system. So, when you get to certain spots where you kind of wake up and it's like, okay, I feel like I should have, I feel like I'm a good day, but you know, my whoop is telling me 35%. What are the other things I did? How did I eat? You know, what's my stress level been like? Have I been traveling recently? What supplements have I been using? Um, and a big reason for the whoop journal, that feature we just put out uh, back in March is really designed so you can help refine those behaviors and really understand what does have an impact on my recovery on a day-to-day basis? What impacts it positively? What impacts it negatively, right? Because there are so many other factors that go into training, you know, in the best possible ways um, that aren't in the gym, right? So what do we say to people who are you know, kind of bummed out or sometimes confused by their recovery? Okay, think about one first, think about the other factors that go into it. And then two, you know, it's not necessarily a prescription for how you're going to perform. You know, uh, one of my coworkers, actually ran the marathon the chicago marathon 30 percent recovery and did it pretty well but at the end of that she was beat to crap she was toast and had a multiple days where she had to sit back and take you know take off just to recover from it like you know a marathon will do that to you because it's a max effort type thing but the other side of it is it's not a prescription for how you're going to perform so if you feel like i get a 30 percent recovery really wanted to go get you know a tough day in the gym be smart about it you know don't go try to set your pr because you know, that's probably not, you're probably not going to get it. But then too, just be mindful of how much more additional recovery steps you might have to take afterward. So it's not a prescription for the day necessarily, um, but it's without a doubt a valuable data point for when you think about the overall here. 
right? How do you want to feel on Friday? If you wake up on Monday with a shitty recovery and you want to go out and push it, that's your, that's your call. Just know that in order to sustain any of this, you have to put more time into the recovery side of things. Well, and, th- and that's one thing I've learned too. You, you, you know, I think the longer you use it, the more it gets acclimated to your body. Totally. And, totally. you know, I realized, man, I was like, I got a great night's, this is maybe last week. I got a great night's sleep. Why is my recovery so low? And it went a little easier. And then all of a sudden I had like three days in the nineties. So you realize, mm-hmm. okay, it's, it's kind of like your nutrition. It's like, it's not always what you ate yesterday, but it's what did you eat last week and the week before that? Totally. Totally. I, I wanna... Yeah. There's absolutely a cumulative effect like that. You know, I mean, I think there's, 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 everything's connected in one way or another. Any system you get into is going to have, you know, if you affect one piece of it, a lot of the other things get affected as well. Right. So, you know, when we start with sleep, you know, we prioritize good sleep that usually lends itself to other good habits, right? Like not eating too late affect the way your sleep happens, right? Or, you know, in some cases, it's trying different sleep supplements or, you know, even changing a diet or drinking more water. But all of the things do play a role. That's why I think, you know, when you see a low recovery, really ask yourself the questions as to what you have over the past two weeks. Have you, you know, how is your lifestyle responding to it is really what you're seeing. How is your body that lifestyle is that's a manifestation of? You know, one thing you mentioned, and the last thing about this screen is, you mentioned the journal. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's accessible from this screen with that little clipboard and pencil. And yep. I've noticed that journals become even more extensive. And I, one thing I've realized is you can you can adjust that journal. I didn't know it at first. So I was like, this yeah. is a silly question. Why does it ask me this every night? So, I mean, I only have mine set currently for caffeine, a device in bed, and a shared bed, which is 99% of the time, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. how valuable is it to have more questions there? And then the second tier to that would be, does marijuana count towards sleep medication? Because if so, <laughs> I've been answering it incorrectly every day. I mean, <laughs> hey, you, that's, that's a personal preference question right there. There should be, um, well, let me throw it out there. There should be a, you should have, did you take an edible? Hey, yeah, why not? Um, that an, and that can be one of the notes you add in yourself, right? It send that to the higher ups. There. <laughs> so but, but um, how important are all the you know and, and again you have the covid the injured the sick which are kind of just yes yeah. no questions but i got rid of like the reading one which i believe was standard because i'm i'm typically reading on a kindle you know a device so it's like cool. right there yeah, yeah. so how important are those and if i answered none of them would it impact my my scores none of it would impact your scores um you know all of the calculation that you'll see in things like recovery strain sleep for that matter they're all those are all our base you know the basis of what those are the most those are calculated on the objective we have that you fill out after the fact like you know the surveys for example after a workout um and the journal as well those are all a matter of preference right if you feel like you're doing some self-experimentation and you really want to get into okay so i'm trying cbd um i want to know what that actually does to me and does it correlate in a positive or negative way Which impact does it have you want to start to fill those things. For me, I have been around with CBD oils, right? Both the topic, and the um, actually got one right here, stuff too, right? Shout out to Beam. Um, but that stuff, right? Like, so I have been playing around with it to see what type of impact it does have on sleep. Uh, and every month, you'll get a report as part of your monthly report from Whoop. All of your journal questions will be factored into it, right? So, like, something like for me right now, we'll use CBD as the example because I've started using CBD, 
how much impact does that have on the quality of my sleep, uh, the quality of my recovery, things like that. What I really want to know is what impact does it actually play, right? You can kind of see when you're, you know, playing around with it yourself. Like I know that, you know, I typically end up getting more slow wave sleep when I use CBD oil. Um, is that a fact? Probably not. Is that something I can attribute to it? We'll see. But at the end of the month, I'll get some more, more information there. And then if you change diets, you know, stuff like that really does have an impact. And that's where it becomes incredibly valuable. So it really depends on how much granularity you're looking for, how much you're, you're trying to fine tune. Um, and, you know, more than anything, how much you are unaware currently, right? Like if Jason, if you're like, I already know what I have going on. I know these four things already that I'm going to be doing. So if you fill out your, your standard yeses, but you want to add more and try something different, that's the other thing that journal is really, really valuable for. Right. That's, that's super helpful. And now that you've mentioned it like that, that brings a lot more insight and it is good for people listening. Like you say, like people are always like, that's a great example, like CBD. How does mm -hmm. that affect you? Well, I can tell you what it does to me, but ultimately you have to test it exactly, and, and see, how, you know, or, you know, add, I'm, like you said, you can add a question like I'm doing the carnivore diet this month. And then, you know, did you eat only meat today? And then boom, mm -hmm. we can look back in a month and say, wow, you did sleep better or you actually slept worse. And so, in so many cases too, like these things, especially like a diet change, um, it does kind of take uh, you know, a few weeks or a full month to really see the impact of it, right? To see that change data because there are gonna be fluctuations on every single day for every single person. But if you do stick to a new diet for an entire month, you will have concrete information that comes back to you from Whoop from that journal feature that tell you exactly you know what the impact was so if we, if we slide over to the next screen we just yeah. basically see your day strain with your mm -hmm. activities listed like today i don't have any activities so far it's telling me oh, man. what's that <laughs> not yet said, oh, man. <laughs> so I'll, I'll i'll get something in but you know you can see the it's telling me the strain that my body's primed for moderate today, like you said, around 12. And then if you swipe down, now we see kind of the trend over the course of the week of your, of your day strain, your average heart rate and your mm -hmm. caloric expenditure. Now for, for the caloric expenditure, is that taking into account what your body is probably naturally burning or is that only based on your activities? Both. I mean, in most cases, Wearable products like like Whoop and you know in like Apple Watch, Garmin, anything, right? We're all using a similar type of algorithm that's going to be taking in you know, your active calories, which is the calories you burn for exercise, as well as your resting calories, which is calories just from being alive, right? So, because we are a twenty four seven product, we're going to be sampling your heart rate, your nervous system activity through HRV, all of your motion in the environment around you. We're going to be looking at that, those things twenty four seven. So, just when you wake up in the morning, because a day of whoops starts when you go to sleep like so you'll go to sleep you'll wake you'll get the recovery score and then you'll already have you know number of calories per like probably a few hundred calories burned for that day that's just because your heart was beating for the last eight hours that you were asleep right so we're going to sample those um we're going to have that stuff going in and feeding that calorie expenditure it's just going to have a different of weight as compared to something like you know an active calorie burn right so if you go out and do you know a, a 90 minute work or your heart rate's getting up there, you're lifting weight as well. There's going to be, you know, any type, like any type of CrossFit workout where really that's a high calorie burn, right? But it's not going to be the highest just because it's not as cardiovascular intense, but that stuff is going to have a different weight to the actual calculation of total calories burned. 
than the resting calories will. Just because resting calories being alive, right, those will accumulate throughout the day. The stuff where it starts to multiply and actually like see real calories burned comes from exercise. Gotcha. Yeah, and it's really, I like it because you kind of, you know, as someone that also tracks their food, you can really mm -hmm. kind of look at that balance of, hey, here's what I took in. Here's what it's saying I burned. Here's where my weight went the next day. It's really interesting. You, you, like you said, you wake up and there's already a small day strain. And that's just yeah. because even sleeping, your body is re requiring work to be done. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I think let's just let's talk about the, the strain score in general and the scale that it's on. Right. So it's on a scale of one to twenty one for you know, one primary reason, and that's because we worked off of the Borg scale of uh, perceived exertion as we really started to get going. Now, what that stems from is a really basic premise of the idea that if I ask you, okay, you know, how hard was that workout on a scale of one to 21? And you say, I don't know, 15, right? We could look back at your heart rate at that, and chances are your average heart rate is somewhere in the 150s, right? So, basing on the premise of heart rate zone, right, that one to 21, what's really, really difficult to get into. Uh, you know, zero to 10 or zero to 10 on our scale, I'd call that casual, right? Shorter workouts, uh, typically with lower heart rates, that'll get you, you know, a score of zero to 10, right? 10 to 12, think about as, you know, it's tough. You actually had to, you had to put a solid sweat into that kind of thing. Um, you know, 10 to or 12 to 14, 12 to 15, that's pretty tough. You know, like that's like, that was, that was decent workout. I probably 45 minutes, probably felt like you had to lie on the ground for a little bit right after, um, you know, 15 to 18. That's really tough stuff. That's like the um, three quarters of a day at the CrossFit games, right. With those athletes. Uh, and then, you know, the max part, 18 to 21, that's, you know, it, that means yourself out. That means you push yourself as hard as you can. Um, and, you know, the scale is really designed so that it can factor everything from, you know, walking to running an Ironman. Right. So that's a, it's a massive scale and it's super personalized. So all of it's going to be based off of your heart rate, all of your specific activities and the, and the way that your heart kind of functions throughout an exercise. So from, go ahead. Well, as I say, that's interesting because I did want to talk about the, the survey you get after you work out, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's typically three questions. And that first one is based off the Borg scale, which I didn't realize is a one to 21. Then there's also, you know, your effort and did you finish the workout? Now, mm -hmm. makes sense to most of the world, but not to CrossFitters. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I, I can give myself a 21 on a three-minute workout. Yep. yep, yep. So, and and that was the first time it really connected to me where you're saying, hey, that strain is should be relative to there, but... I've been a, become a big fan of Peloton. We got a Peloton bike during this quarantine. I've been using it a lot, but sometimes at 15 minute, like I'll do a hard one trying to go max effort in that 15 minute. And I'm like, I'll give myself like a 15, 16 on my perceived exertion when really the strain mm -hmm. is only like a six or seven. Mm -hmm. And so much of that is based on the duration of time, you know, like. So does that impact do the ultimate strain score you get or what's the purpose of that? I guess of having the um, kind of like the survey my, at the end of it yeah exactly and then and then i have another piece of feedback 
for your survey? There's two pieces, right? Whoop does a ton of machine learning, right? Tons, right? The more you, the more time you spend using it, the more personalized it's going to get. Ultimately, the more accurate and more representative those scores will become, right? So there's something to be said about if you continue to fill these things out as saying, hey, look, this is this is like 16, like, dude, this is this is hard, right? But you keep, but Whoop keeps giving me a nine or a ten. Eventually, those things will start to normalize and they'll become closer, right? The main thing, one, um, as you start to get fitter, where hopefully, hopefully we'd see, or you know, as these workouts become easier to you, hopefully you would see a decline in both your perceived exertion, the subjective survey part that you fill in, as well as the actual score that comes back. Hopefully you'd see those two things come down together, right? That's step number one. Um, but two is like, if that doesn't happen, right? If they'll do a minute workout that beats the crap out of you, we're gonna end up, and you're gonna put scene in for something that we give you a five, right? eventually we'll start to realize and that will level out, right? So there's a ton of machine learning happening and those surveys more than anything else are designed for your feedback, your content, right? So like if you say, all right, that was like 16, but I only got, you know, this, I only got a five, right? More than anything, what it's trying to do is like, okay, so this was a really hard, but really short workout. Your body still has capacity to keep going if you give it a few, if you give it a little bit of a break, right? That makes sense? And it, and it, you know, yeah, and it works backwards as well because for example, the walking, oftentimes yeah, I'll be yeah. like casual and it'll give me a 10. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. but yeah. I, I suppose it's going to be the same answer. It's going to learn, sure. hey, when you go extended periods, but your heart rate's not that high, the strain isn't as yeah. bad for your body as yeah. you. And, and a lot of the calculation to begin with is done by the duration of time you spend in these max heart rate zones, right? So, you know, even so, like if you were to do a short workout, um, that gets you into your max heart rate zone for five minutes, we'll, we'll reward you for those five minutes, but it's not going to sustain over a long period of time. And the main thing you get after that is the heart rate recovery, right? To see how quickly your heart rate can kind of come, come back to normal effect, because that's a great indicator of physical fitness in general. Um, and, you know, more than anything, will ultimately fact to how much work capacity you do have. Well, and I will say, I've noticed we've had our Peloton for right about a month and I've noticed my heart rate doesn't get as high as quick as it used to. And I noticed my strain has slowly crept down on some of those classes. So, and that, that, that's the other thing too, is that like we do, because it's all super personal, it's based off of your max heart rate, right? So what we'll see um, is that if your max heart rate does start to come down over time, like I know mine has in the past few years, um, you know, I was at 206 for a little while. There's no way I'm getting at 206 right now. Um, but that'll come down, you know, and, and start to level out alongside those strain scores. So I'm now at the point where, you know, two years ago, I would have had, uh, let's say, you know, I would have gotten like a 16 or the max heart rate of, you know, 206 and I'm playing, you know, running around for two hours, right? After that, if I do the same workout now, you know, my heart rate's not getting above 195 and, you know, I'll still probably get the same strain score, even though I didn't hit that time because my heart rate is now leveled out. What's the highest strain score you've seen? Have you seen a 21? I've never seen an exact 21. Um, and that's because you'd have to be basically at a full sprint for a 24 hour period. You'd have to be awake the whole day. The entire time you're awake, you're sprinting. You would sit, you'd think like after that um, ruck last year, whatever day that was on for the games athletes. Dude, yeah, uh, that was a big one. <laughs> that was a big one. Uh, believe it or not, at Wadapalooza, actually, the first workout, and we talked about this with, um, with Tommy Marquette, the workout we had. Uh, in the elite level, which was a ruck event, basically, I can't remember how it started, but everybody, you ended up running off the competition floor and then coming back in and doing most with a, 
with a rock on. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's got to be brutal. But it was a 45-minute workout, which is long for those. Uh, and I think we had an average strain score there of like 84 elite women. So it was Just like, for that workout? Just for that 45 minutes. And yeah. I'm sure they're doing more the rest of the day. That so was the first workout of the competition. So what ended up happening was so interesting. No one's recovering. Like, nobody recovered the rest of the weekend. So by the time we got to the end, it was literally just a battle of who had the highest pain threshold. It wasn't even like who's in, who's in the best shape. It was more just like what are the workouts and who's in the, who can take on the most pain right now. Because it even it rained that first night too. So it's like you're doing that 18.4 you know, qual- caliber workout um, you know, on strain scale. But it's also pouring rain. It's also 85 degrees. The conditions aren't easy. Doing a muscle up on a bar that's been getting rained on outside, that's not easy, right? So just adding more to the overall, you know, how much work you have to put into that. So by the end of the weekend, people were just totally shocked. Um, and it was almost like the final workout was just like, who's going who's gonna to just push it through? Who's just going to fight it out? And, and even despite that, they didn't hit 21? No 21s. The highest that I've seen a 20 point I've seen tons of 20.7. I personally got my highest at a 20.8. What'd you do for that? I did it. Me and my brother, actually, we did, uh, we did two tough mutters back, like just back to back. So we had those, like, they're not even that, they're not like crazy hard, but we just did two, two of them back to back. Um, And by the time we finished up with the whole thing, it had been like eight hours of running up and down a mountain. So it was like just long enough that we beat the shit out of ourselves there. But, um, I've seen, you know, there are randomly two or go, you just find a four or five works in a day, just like randomly. You can hang out of the gym, all day, you can end up doing that. And that people can, can kind of rack those things up quickly. Uh, some of the other ones are with, you know, triathlete triathlons are going to put up really high strains. Uh, sprint triathlons, even for, for a lot of people, we'll, we'll do that. Um, right. It's long enough that you're building up that strain, but it's also hard enough that you're keeping your heart rate up super high. Exactly. Yeah, your so, heart rate's staying up really high through the whole thing. On the, on the flip side, what's the lowest you've ever seen? <laughs> uh, it, believe it or not, the day after the Super Bowl um, is one of the lowest recovery days across all of WHOOP, and it's also one of the lowest days across all of WHOOP, right? So when you wake up, people are pissed off if they have to go to work. You know, Who knows what they ate or drank the night before? Wake up, go to work, you get pissed off, don't exercise, or call out sick. I've seen, we've seen stuff like that pop up on Twitter. The lowest cumulative strain score in a I've ever seen is the 2.1. 2.1 is like, I wake up with a four. So that means. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. It's just kind of, you stayed horizontal the whole day, heart rate barely cracked 85. Um, it's one of those things where you can blame it on want, but. There's, there's no other, there's no other excuse for doing that. Well, all right. So let, let, let's move on. But the one, the one thing I want to talk about though, when it comes to strain and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, but in my opinion, there's a really big gap between passable and strong. Okay. I mean, keep going with it. Elaborate a little further. Well, no, it's just, you know, my wife and I give me, talk give about me an it. example here. Yeah. I mean, a, a great example would be you go for a walk, right? Like, to me, passable sounds like, ah, I made it, right? Where, but I also wouldn't classify a walk as strong. Like, mm-hmm. I feel the same on every walk, whether I'm tired yeah. or not. Like, in my opinion, I mean, 
I assume all the higher ups are going to be downloading this episode, the CEO, the founder, they're all going to be listening to this. I'm just saying, Hey, passable, good, strong. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, survey features a great component and more than anything, it's designed for our users to know and to be able to put in that subjective information. At the end of the day, the biggest piece is going to be the calculated the calculated strain score, right? So the difference between passable and strong uh, and that survey, like, not are important. You satisfied? It's not a huge facet in the, and you know, it's not a piece of the puzzle here. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that at some there will be a, a larger and kind of more robust strain survey, right? Just because workouts are going to become more and more tedious. If you think about the journal setup following or three, um, you know, we'd like to have something that does eventually for a work. You know, what are some of the immediate things? What are some of the exercise modalities that you did? What movements working on? What type of workout were you doing? How would you classify it personally? So that way there's just a little bit more depth to it. Um, but then uh, the difference between past strong, yeah, no. Like you're sliding across from three and then it hits four and it goes strong. Because eh. I have that huge gap where most workouts live. is It was better than passable, but it definitely wasn't strong. That's probably where most of my stuff ends up being anyway. Yeah, and I you know it is a – that's good it feedback. Is, You're onto something. Ah, uh, good. And it's quite a big slide. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's increments that I'm not aware of in there. But, um, you know, it's, it reminds me of there's, I think it's Tim Ferriss that's like, hey, you have to rate something one to 10, but you can't use a seven. Right. And it's kind of like, you're making <laughs> yeah. me decide, yeah. is this passable or was it strong? And if, mm -hmm. I, if I don't feel it was strong, I'll just, you know, denote it as passable. But anyway, that's just my, my feedback. Send it to the Send it to the president. So if you go to the next screen on he'll, recovery. He'll, he'll, get, he'll get a text in 15 minutes, yeah. <laughs> so you have your recovery screen, obviously. So, so here's a big question. And you mentioned you got your elusive seven days of green. I've always I'd probably have had a handful of days in the red, but they're mostly in the yellow and green. So mm -hmm. let, let me have you do this. This is probably everybody understands resting heart rate. It's just when you're chilled out. What's your heart rate go to during sleep? Probably, you know, what is it average? Yep. Um, so mine's, you know, typically in the mid forties or so it's decent. How would you explain heart rate variable to a fifth grader? Heart rate variability to a fifth grader. Well, I tell her, it's like, Hey, look, dude, you're not going to need to worry about this in a while. Um, <laughs> but no variability. What it, it's the time your heart doesn't beat a consistent pace, right? So 60 beats per minute doesn't translate to one beat per second, you know, like the heartbeat, heartbeat, heartbeat. It doesn't, there, there's no consistency. So the time, those intervals between each of your heart is different, right? And what the difference in time there, that variation is driven by competition between two halves of your nervous system. So you have one half of your nervous system, your parasympathetic, which is trying to raise your heart rate, right? So as it's trying to raise your heart rate and send your body into that kind of fight or flight stage where, now, if you're walking up to a squat rack, your whole body's going to be run by your parasympathetic nervous system, right? And then the other half of it is trying to lower your heart rate, right? So as those two things compete to raise your heart, those intervals end up changing between your heart, right? So what that's telling you is basically the balance you have between your two nervous systems. The more balance you have, more ability to adapt your body has, right? So if you could, you know, do that one that squat and your heart can kind of jump back and relax your body's gonna have more ability to go do it again if it needed to 
right? Being able to shift states allows you both mentally and physically to adapt in a, in a better and more efficient way, essentially. Takes less stress in your body to, to kind of come back down, right? Takes less stress in your body to get back up, right? Your brain can kind of alter between those states and ultimately make, you know, I don't want to say better decision based on it, but if you're kind of one polar end of the other, you're either going to be stuck in a kind of a total digestive and rest state, right? Where you're that working out sucks. That's when you have to go do anything. That's when you feel super lazy. When your brain is just kind of like, uh, right? And just operating quickly. Um, versus the other side of it, where you're stuck in the drive state, which is, you know, most people are stuck in this state. Uh, people in our circles, right? Where people are overwork themselves, trying to do too much, taking on more. That's where things like, you know, S, anxiety, that's where those things come into play, right? So if you those two things, right? If you can balance the housing system and figure out what brings you back to kind of that equilibrium state, it's going to skyrocket. It's going to go through the roof. It's going to get higher and higher and higher. So starting with, you know, a level of physical fitness, which, you know, typically has a lower resting heart rate, right? Then the other things that play in there, like stress, like diet, like all the different aspects of training that we do, and most importantly, sleep, allow your body to regenerate itself and ultimately allow you to have a higher HRV. So what is HRV to a fifth grader? HRV is the best and most indicative kind of representative metric we can look at to give you a glimpse at your whole lifestyle. That's everything training, that's everything stress, that's everything emotional, all of that stuff. How well is your body responding to do day to day? Okay, now explain it to a kindergartner. Just kidding. Just kidding. I got That's, it. That number says you're good or bad. <laughs> That's a great explanation. So mine right now, for example, says 79. Where would you say that that falls? I it, it's great. <laughs> you know, it's like, not great. I mean, of, I'm on the some thing teams about here. You know, we have and the Thunderbird team. Liars. Yeah, they're going to be the but they can't, they can't lie about it, right? It's pulling up data. Nope. That's that's the best part about Whoop is that there's, it's the ultimate accountability tool. You can't, your heart doesn't lie, right? Um, it's unfair to compare yourself, right? It's like apples to oranges. There's tons of different genetic factors that go into things. If you think about a, a spectrum of physiology, right, where every person is on there in some space, some people are more power athletes. Some people are more endurance-based, right? Where you kind of think that's going to dictate a little bit about what your body's going to do from a physiological perspective. And heart rate really kind of falls into that. So um, there's that effect. Age is another factor into it. And there's another factor into it. Height, weight, they're all factors. Right? So it's really more like compatibles to orange than just anything, right? So my RV is actually in a similar spot to yours. My heart rate's in the high 40s, low 50s. And my HRV is somewhere between baseline is 70 and 80, right? Somewhere between there. I can fluctuate though, really low or really high, right? Like my brother's bachelor party was last year and I've never seen an HRV score in the, in the 20s except for after that weekend, right? I was like, oh my God, that's, this is really bad for me, right? Um, and then there are other things, right? Where if I go through, you know, training for something actually specifically, um, you know, not just to, to be healthy and to live a better life, right? If you train for something, you really get ready and you dial in everything, HR is 145. So there's like, it can range in various spots. And that's why it's so figure out what this purpose recipe is for you. You know, knowing what makes your body tick, both in bad way, 
that's that's really the key to all of this. Yeah, and I, and I can see the days I wasn't recovered last week, it was as low as 60, where yesterday, for example, I, it hit 100. So you can definitely, t- or 98, I should say. Yeah, so obviously I was a little more recovered there. And then because of, you know, Sunday was my rest day. You know, I did just a little light walking and yoga maybe. And then my recovery shot up, my HRV shot up. And then because of that, I went a little harder and now went a little Mm -hmm. bit further down. So I would expect today, depending on how hard I go, now I know where that HRV should go. Exactly. So go ahead. Have you noticed any specific activities or um you know recovery modes that really do impact hrv positively or negatively for that matter? um I, I i wouldn't say i know i haven't noticed the, what impacts it negatively but i noticed that the the days when it goes higher are the days where obviously a I don't. I wouldn't say I take rest days. I'm always out walk. Sure. I would have said I'm taking rest days, but I realized that going for a, a ten mile walk is not rest, <laughs> right? Based on this, sure. um, but I definitely. I, I wouldn't say I've realized what activities are impacting it more. So I just realized, hey, when I'm being smarter about how much I'm doing, I'm noticing the difference there. And I'm sure yeah, there's a little. Sure. I'll tell you That's what. Crux. I t- I'll tell you like Saturday, UFC came back on. And I was literally on my couch for eight hours just watching UFC. Yeah, there you go. There and you chilling go. <laughs> out. And then it's and I noticed my recovery starting to go back up. And I, and I think that was a big part of it. You know, I worked out that day too, but I noticed my recovery started to creep up. I think just because I chilled out. Yeah. So I I've, I've noticed. I mean, and the reason I ask is because every so many people I talk to tend to have, you know, the one or two kind of their their day right for me it's, it's yoga it's timing of food those are the two things i'm convinced that there's a correlation between digestion there you know both of your digestive tract and hrv i don't know i have no information that's grounded in that other than personal experience and just some anecdotal comments from other people um but i know that when i do a, a solid you know hour of you know mobility work actually stretching breathing practice something like that it it absolutely changes the way that my hrv shows up um, and I don't know if that's because I needs the, needs the physical work there or because it's more so the breathing aspect or the stress relief might be. Um, I know that that makes an impact. And then the other part is, right, like I've been able to, and I think a big group have the, the seven-day green streak is because well, the change my schedule a little bit, um, you know, now that we've been home for so long and, you know, kind of stuck and confined with, you know, no, this is the longest I've gone without traveling in a long time. Uh, two, this is, I'm not commuting to and from, you know, my office, the gym, wherever it is that I'm going that day, right? So I'm at home, right? And I'm able to actually, I can sit down and I can have dinner at six o'clock at night and then go to bed before 11. And it still has that three or three and a half hour window that I'm trying to give myself between, you know, eating my last meal and going to bed, right? Allowing digestion to happen, right? So I feel like that's, those are the two things that have really helped me out, right? So just knowing, Timing of food for me is a big one. And then knowing, finding some way to add in either yoga or meditation in there is able to kind of chew for me. Well, no, that's interesting. And, I, and I'm definitely going to pay more attention. I feel after this call with you, I've been using the whoop more on a surface level. It's helping. Mm-hmm. But I think now that what you're telling me and, and for all the listeners also is you can really dive deep into a lot of this stuff and, and figure out more 
specific to you what impacts you. Like I do a meditation and a breathing practice, but I don't always um, track it as Think an about activity. about how they impact you. Yeah, for sure. Right. But now I can go back and look at something like, hey, my resting, you know, my, my HRV is, is improved. Let's go see what activities I did those days and let's see what mm -hmm. that looked like. Um, but let's go. We have a few more minutes. So let's go to the last screen, which is just your sleep performance. This is something that's drastically improved for me during the, the quarantine. Yep. I mean, I'm yep. typically at 90 to 100%, which is just, you know, your hours of sleep relative. I'm sure it's just a percentage of the, the hours that you're saying yep. we need and how much you're actually getting. Exactly. Right. So there's, it's a combination of your baseline. Um, you know, me, I have a baseline of seven hours and 48 minutes. I need to get every single night. That's a, you know, a function of my height, age, weight, gender, athletic history, all those things. And then we add in uh, the current strain that you have, right? So how much, how many more minutes of sleep do you need to get tonight based on the amount of strain your body took on yesterday? as well as sleep debt, right? So sleep is negatively cumulative, meaning it's, you can quickly rack up a sleep debt, but you can't get it all back in one night, right? You have to sleep consistently in order to kind of erase that debt. Um, and you have to get the same amount or get the right amount every single night, right? So sleep performance is a function of, yeah, exactly what you said. What is the percentage of sleep you got versus what you actually needed on that given night? Where where does it where can I see what it base where my baseline is? So if you go if you're in the app right and you're on that sleep pillar, I'll pull it up for you. Right, there's my there's my elusive green week. Um, right. So if you're in the look at me. Did you screenshot that by the way? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Sent it to the company. Everybody got to, I got to brag it's on the back. Um, but right. So I got nine and twenty two last night. Look at I you. It's a concerted effort. I'm getting in bed at 9.30 and I'm not leaving until the next morning. Right. So that was it. You tap on that sleep need, right? So I need 7.44. That's my baseline. Okay. Right? So mine's 7.30. I've not, I've not seen that before. Okay. Yep. Right. So then I had super light workout just a yoga day yesterday. So I only need 10 more minutes to add to it. My sleep debt's only at 30 minutes. So that's pretty good. And then I didn't take any naps or anything like that. So I had no reason to uh, lose some of that sleep need. So you can make up for some of that debt by, and I know there's an activity of napping. I assume it will, if your heart rate drops significantly, it'll assume it's napping or sleeping. Yeah, I mean, more so than just heart rate, right? Like we'll factor in, basically when you fall asleep, brief rise in skin temperature. There's a bottom of your heart rate and a surge in sympathetic activity, right? So we can tell what things happen. We know exactly that you've, Sleep, right so anytime you do fall asleep we will be able to pick as long as it's longer than 20 minutes dude this has been super helpful what well, you know one other question i have is just similar to what you just told me hey if you touch that button there on the sleep needed i can see something i would kind of refer to those as like an easter egg you didn't you know that expression <laughs> yeah 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 what are what are some other Easter eggs within the Whoop app that those listening may not even realize? For example, I've realized if you turn your phone sideways, you basically see your your heart rate this jump is, up and down throughout the day. It's funny. I mean, it's tougher. I think it's tougher for me to answer this because I've I've been playing with this app for four years now, right? Like I've been watching it change. So I I know we'll start with this. Every single thing in this app is clickable. 
right? Every little button in there, like you could click on just about anything. That, for example, I could click on. Um, I could click on, you know, each box, each ticker box at the bottom, every single one of these things, they're all available to click on. Everything is, right? Two things I would point out. Number one, uh, within that, you know, drop down menu in the top left corner, you have your sleep and your strain coach. The sleep coach is one of the most useful things that we have, right? So this will start, right? This will bring you to this page. So it takes, shows you your baseline, basically say, okay, you know, it's suggested bed based on your sleeping habits. That's what you really need to get, right? So this is the time you need to go into bed based on you want to wake up, how much your body needs to get. So along with how you sleep, how much sleep to get, factor in, and I want to peak, right? I want to be 100% sleep, perform and get by options, which you can actually just see by, you swipe that page across and you can kind of set your, right? So that for me, I need to get 100% of my sleep Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to make sure my is good. It's going to be harder for me to get all my sleep on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, right? And typically, oh, that Sunday is going to be my worst night for whatever reason. I'm in my mid-20s. There you go. <laughs> so you have this in here, which is basically planning out how much your sleep needed. That's cool. a good one. That's yeah, very and I think the other one is this coach right so this is your strain coach here right it's right above the same thing in that top corner you can go here yep. strain coach right below it that's how i get this one right here whenever i track my activity man your heart rate's exactly. at 84 am i stressing you out are we good i'm only I'm, at 55 i'm enjoying this i'm telling you this is the walking this is the thinking you know you walk you get going you get your talking and thinking about it you can get this thing up really quickly without even realizing right so that strain coach feature up, having that optimal window to kind of look. I know I've been sleeping well, so let's today. What's it going to take for me to get to 16 strain today? That's the kind of thing that we're looking at. So, so you adjusted, well, you changed that on your own. Yes. Well, don't worry. Yeah, so my I'd wife, say those my are... wife wants to know all the questions now. I'll tell you in the afternoon. <laughs> don't worry. We compete. We compete for a strain and recovery in this household. I love that. Right. There's that. And then, you know, the last, the last kind of cool thing. Um, if you have a C2 or an ergate at your house, uh, this heart broadcast feature, if you want to see your lot rate on the actual concept two rower or bike, you can, can do I do that. that on the Peloton. Yeah, I think so. As long as it takes oh. Bluetooth, um, as long as it takes the Bluetooth, um, that's connection. interesting. Cause I always keep my phone in the water bottle holder so I can see it, but it'd be nice to have it on there. So take, yeah. take a step back with me before we go there. Um, go back to your strain coach. It's, yep. If you adjust that W to, it's telling you what's optimal. Why would you adjust that higher? If you want to, there's an op like there's an optimal range right there. So when you have higher recovery, that range is wider, that range is bigger. So if you want to max out and say, I want to go push as far as I possibly can today you can adjust it to the top point and set that as your goal. And it'll be really difficult to get that high in one exercise, right? Just like if you can see that number, it'll be really difficult to get that. Yeah. Like, so for me, there. I'm on the edge of optimal. It doesn't switch to overreaching till 15, five. I'm still at op, but that's really yeah. just setting a goal. It's not necessarily doing anything else. It's just when you go back to your other screen, you can challenge yourself about to it. get there. Yeah, exactly. Think about it this way, right? You know how we were talking earlier about, um, you know, not feeling as good as your strain score might recommend or the other way around, 
right? If you feel better than, you know, your 30% recovery, you say like, well, man, hey, look, I, I really think I got more in the tank than 30%. Go to the strain coach, look at the optimal range and set it to the very top of that optimal range. That's, and, that's, that's how I would do that. Right? I like, because I like then you can mean. actually say, all right, I'll push as hard as I can, right? This will be the very furthest edge I can go on the strain score, but I'm not overdoing it too much, right? Whereas if you were to set it, you know, into that way overreaching spot and you go get a 17 strain on a 30% recovery, your body's going to hurt real bad tomorrow. Gotcha. I mean, and again, it's just kind of setting goals, but you can still push yourself into that strain without adjusting that, but it's nice to kind of totally. see, challenge yourself. And, and where was I, that broadcast? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Were you going to add something? The biggest thing about strain score for me, the strain coach, I've just learned that I have way more work capacity sometimes than I thought, you know, like especially doing at home, you know, I have, I some bells here and that's about all working with. So, you know, to try and find out different I can do that keep my heart rate up and to look at that thing as I get to the end of a, you know, we'll call it like, you know, you do a four by four sets of something, right? And you get to the end of that and you're like, you have so much more room to work here. It's a little bit motivating and almost kind of like a kick in the ass to be like, get back in there and go do more because your body can handle it, right? So I feel like it's been an invaluable tool for me these last uh, eight weeks, just because I've had something to kind of keep me, keep me accountable. Or I'm kind of getting away with doing what's on the paper for workouts. It's more like we do, we can do more than this. We can take on more stuff. Let's go. All right, we finished. Fine. Let's go run two miles at the end of this. Right. Let's just add that in here just so we can get more strain up here. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I was, I, I wanted to ask you one more question, but I was you know, the most common question I get is, Hey, is it worth $30? And I'm like, it depends how how accountable you are to yourself because that's, that's the type of yeah. stuff that keeps you account. I mean, I would probably be fifty pounds heavier right now without the whoop. <laughs> like, like this has been. That. I mean, the Peloton's been helpful as well. Don't get me wrong, but I wake up. I don't keep my phone in the bedroom. I keep it out here. But the first mm -hmm. thing I do is I come out into the you know the kitchen or living room and I check my, my sleep, how I did. And I think about the rest of my day. I start thinking about what activities do I want to do? Should I take a moderate day? Should I, you know, mm -hmm. go for a walk? So I think that's great. I mean, and I mean, I've only scratched the surface. I think the short answer, yes. You know, like for less dollar a day to know two things, like you're asking the wrong person this question because I'm going to have a lot of, a lot of opinion on it. Right. Um, the first one, right? Like there's no product that works as hard for you at all seconds of the day as Whoop does. No product, not one. Like maybe if, maybe if some, you know, uh, there's no product that works as hard as this thing does for you for, you know, all 24 hours of the day. Um, the second, the second thing I think is think about is like, you know, I actually do. I mean, I have my own Whoop subscription, right? Paying for that kind of thing. Just get rid of pre-workout for a month. And tell me if you feel like, if you like, think whoop is more valuable than the pre-workout, right? Like just try something like that, right? If you spend three bucks a day on pre-workout, that's, that's right there. That's 10 days. That's it, right? This thing is way more valuable, in my opinion, than anything like that. Many different well, things you could substitute out. You, you know, here's what it comes down to. And this is, you know, if you want to get me in touch with the president, I can have this conversation directly with him. Sure. But sure. People inevitably want what they perceive as easier. And totally. it's easier to throw a scoop of pre-workout and think you're about to crush a workout 
and take a long, hard look at your body and saying, hey, it's actually dumb for me to go hard today. I need to do this or I need to do that. Or, you know, a 5K comes up at your box and it's the last thing you want to do, but you're fully recovered. Well, guess what? You got to push yourself today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I I know exactly what I'm going to do today because of that recovery. I've got to run out, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to hit a 45 minute Peloton class. I'm going to, I'm going to try because of this to hit my strain in one activity, you know, and then that's Mm -hmm. kind of my little goal because of this, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't have this staring at me. There's something to be said about having a growth mindset with whoop, right? It's, there's no magic to it, right? So just putting it on your wrist isn't going to make you fitter. It's not going to make you live a longer life. What you actually have to do is, is use the information that's coming off of it, whether it's positive or negative, and action that. You have, to be a, you have to be willing to make change because that's the big component of all of this stuff. When we find a wearable, you don't want to build it so that you're giving people information and, and high fives for what they did today. You know, we're not going to set an, an arbitrary 10,000 steps goal. We're not going to give you that because there's no point, right? Congratulations, you got 10,000 steps. What does that actually do for you? How did that actually change? How did that change the way you think about sleep? Did that make you diet? No. What that actually did is it gave you the satisfaction of, hey, nice job, right? What you should get the satisfaction from is going through an entire month-long stretch and seeing the way that your body changes, seeing that you feel every single day, knowing that you're getting all the sleep your body needs, knowing that you're exercising and training in a smart way. Because what you're going to look back on 50 years from there isn't the 10,000 steps you got on Tuesday, October 22nd. What it's going to be is the six, six or eight long months you decided to change the way that you live. And a lot of that stems from having a backbone of data that can tell you what to do. I love it. I love it. Can you, can you do me one favor and show me again that heart rate broadcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we got off topic there. Um, yeah, so if you're in, this is the strap settings page, right? You scroll down to the bottom here, hit strap settings. There's a little toggle that says on or off right there. If you hit on, this thing will turn blue right? And now it's for a Bluetooth connection. You go on your Peloton and you say, uh, connect a Bluetooth device, Whoop will pop up and you'll be able to connect it. And from there, your actual device here will stream right to your, 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 um, your ERG, your Peloton, whatever. Well, I'm very relaxed because my heart rate's only 47 right now. I'm basically asleep. I've been, I've been talking a lot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was super, I mean, Speaking for myself, that was very helpful. I'm going to share this with, you know, we have a Thunder Bro team out there. I'm on another quarantine team with some friends of mine. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. What When are we going to have the lifetime option for the Whoop? I mean, hey, you do right now. It's called Keep Using It. Um, you know, like in terms of buying the product, uh, we're not. we're probably not going to go that way. You know, when we first started as a company, we were a one-time $500 product. Um, and for the most part, that's a tough pill to swallow. You know, you know, I don't think the value of, of Whoop is really in this hardware that you pay 500 bucks for, right? What it, the value is, is the information that you're getting from it every single day, right? So, you know, every time we lower barrier of entry, every time we changed it 500 to 375 on a flash sale or whatever it was, this is in 2016 too, um, more people got on. And when more people get on uh, and more people stay on, you know, from that, you know, that's, that's really one of the big learnings we had. Um, so it was like, why would we try to sell the hardware at 500? If we can get people to start 
you know, use that first six months as a trial. And if they really, um, you know, that price might be justified, right? So like that's, that's the short answer on that is, is we changed our business model to get more people using our product. Um, and so far it's really paid off. Well, yeah, you've created, you know, someone who went into this as, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I was like, ah, let me see. I've tried other ones, never was as consistent as I am now. And you've got someone that now I will do this forever because it's, it's very valuable. So I appreciate it. To hear that, man, that's satisfying. Seeing, and, I mean, yeah, seeing the development we've had over the last few years and knowing you know, that our team just got bigger to, to really bring a whole lot more view. Uh, you know, our product, product roadmap is no short of a couple miles long. So we have our work cut out for us for the next few years, but it'll all be, um, it'll all be really, really worth it. And I think people will see the value and the explanation that comes along with wearing a bootstrap. Yeah. And just have your president, you know, add that little good in between passable and strong and, um, you know, and I'll be happy. Easy. So what, what, that text is going the, out as soon as we hang out. <laughs> what's the best way to wear this thing when I'm competing in jujitsu? You have wrestling as an activity. I assume that's yep. a broad kind of scope. And, and we have a jujitsu uh, team as well. That's wearing the whoop right now. That's awesome. Uh, that's the coolest part. Seeing how different, you know, every athlete trains, right? So we've gotten to learn the nuances of skeleton, right? Which is, you know, going uh, an hour face ice, right? We've gotten to learn the nuances of different track and field events, of CrossFit, of basketball, all the training sides of every single sport you can think of. That's the coolest part. And so having a jiu-jitsu team on, more we can check, and that's why we have all these. Um, but to answer the question, we have, number one, I mean, we have arm sleeve was designed for combat and uh, contact sports in particular. Um, so like, you know, that's a little pad. You can t literally take the sensor off this pad and you can wear them on the inside. Right now you can wear that strap you have anywhere on your arm. We validated every single spot. Um, so data will be still accurate. We can trust that. The next step for us, one of the things we're actively working on now is we've kind of always viewed Whoop as a product that can be worn anywhere on the body. We don't want to limit it to being, you know, occupied real estate on your wrist. So I think what you'll see in the next, you know, calendar year is a lot of development on, you know, figuring out where else we can put this hardware in the form of soft goods. So things like, you know, are we going to build something that goes around for like, um, you know, like we'll think about combat sports. How do you guys actually get to use Whoop? How can you wear it? What makes it more efficient, right? So that's something that we have to figure out. But right now we have the impact sleeve, which is literally designed for martial arts and different combat sports. Um, so I'd recommend doing that. Um, but second, Try this yourself. I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you that the data will be perfect, but if you wear compression, take this, the sensor itself, like take this piece out and just kind of pop it, you know, slide it in somewhere else and see if it picks the data that you're really looking for. Can't I can't say that this is going to be perfect in terms of data quality, but I want to try something out, different use case. You're more than welcome to do that. All right. I'll give that a go. Well, you know, for me, I just wear a long sleeve rash guard and basically leave it there and, you know, Hope for the best. So I, I do the same thing every time I get into like a pickup basketball game or anything. I'm going to be, you know, rubbing shoulders with somebody else. Um, and I try to find ways to kind of cover it up. Like I'll use tape and pre-wrap every now and then as well. Yeah. I mean, I can think of one spot, but it's not, it's too big. Too big <laughs> for me. <laughs> too big for me. <laughs> tell, tell the president to come up with a very, very small wrist wrap. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Else.
that, that's next. Yeah. So, well, so AJ, different. this this has been super helpful, and I hope for those listening, it was helpful as well to go through and really just understand everything. Because I think for so many people, the data is extensive, and we didn't even realize what you know what we can really find out. So, thanks for spending the time and going through it. One hundred percent. Appreciate you, Jason. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback. We are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram. Give us a follow. Like our pictures. Feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, Please don't hesitate. Email us, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.